1: This episode of Everything Under the Sun is sponsored by NHTSA. Sadly, in 2020, 24 children died of pediatric vehicular heat stroke, and many of those incidents occurred when parents or caregivers simply forgot the child was in the car. A child's body temperature rises three to five times faster than an adult's. So if you see a child unattended and you can't locate their parents, call 911. If the child looks unresponsive, do whatever it takes to get him or her out safely, including breaking the window. Your actions could save the life of a child. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. Our weekly podcast, stories and information, and things that you need to know to weatherproof your life as we move through the seasons. We take a little more long-form approach. We try to help you take the scientific and make it more understandable. We use our great experts here at AccuWeather. And from around the world, I'm trying to build a network of friends and colleagues who try to help you get through each and every day and learn a little something along the way. One thing that uh, I know that certainly got me into meteorology thunderstorms, especially in the spring and the summer. Lightning always was, uh, well, obviously a dangerous situation, but always had a kind of an intrigue to it for me. And the amazing thing is just how far we've come in lightning detection. One thing that we've noticed, and this was a story that I caught on AccuWeather.com just a couple of weeks ago, was that we may be seeing the unseating of what we had thought was the lightning capital of the world in terms of uh, by state, the state of Florida, It may actually be that there's more lightning density in terms of another state in the lower 48. Where is that? And how do you get ready to deal with lightning? It's certainly something I know we're certainly uh, decreasing the fatalities, but it's a concern every day when we have people outside that they are not going to take it seriously and get struck. We're going to talk a little bit about that in our opening race of Focus segment. Coming up in our second segment, we'll kind of piggyback on that story that we talked about last week—the emergence of the cicadas—and we've been seeing them getting closer to here, where we are at AccuWeather headquarters in central Pennsylvania. They will soon be out in mass, all over parts of the Northeast and the Mid-Atlantic and into the Great Lakes. You know, one thing that bugs this time of year can do a number on is the paint and finish of your car. We'll talk to someone from Zbar, and they will tell us how we can take steps and just how dangerous that situation is to your car. As we expect. A lot of big bugs to be moving around in some of those areas. Here we go the next couple of weeks. And in our first uh, Rays of Focus segment, we're talking about lightning. We're talking about paint and finish on your car from cicadas and other bugs. In our second segment, our final segment is always on everything under the sun. A kind of a wrap-up as we go into the looking at the weather for the week ahead and the Weekend in the uh, nearest term. It's going to be a, a look at a, a warm weekend along the eastern seaboard. Cooler temperatures and some snow showers flying out west. Brett Rossio joins me to talk about that in our final segment. Friends, sit back and relax. It's time to talk about everything under the sun. I know for me, as I've said in the past, one of the things that got me into meteorology and weather was thunderstorms. We had a northwest-facing porch When I grew up, and I would spend a lot of time watching those thunderstorms roll in from the west-northwest through Lancaster County in the summer, and it was uh, certainly a situation where I'd get scolded a lot by my parents to come in, but I'd kind of try to milk every moment to just watch how those thunderstorms develop, watch the lightning It intrigued me, but I certainly also had a a situation where lightning struck our house indirectly and got caught one of our receptacles on fire. So I know the dangers of lightning, and as a meteorologist, I really always uh, try to play that up, Uh, but it is certainly something that is encouraging that we're seeing the number of lightning fatalities drop in this country. But what caught me a little bit by surprise is an article that I just saw within the last few weeks by our AccuWeather.com journalist Mark Puglio was that it looks like with the lightning data being so good now that we're actually seeing another state other than Florida become what could be the lightning capital of the United States. Chris Vagasky is a meteorologist. He works with not only uh, one of our partners, the Visilla Corporation, who uh, does lightning detection as a great network, but he also is a member of the National Lightning Safety Council. And joins us to talk about this uh, little new statistic and some lightning safety ticks as we go from spring to summer here on AccuWeather.com and everything under the sun. Chris, I was excited to talk uh, to you about this today. I I caught this article uh, a couple of weeks ago at the end of April from uh, our AccuWeather staff writer, Mark Puglio, about how it is looking like now where... Florida had always, at least in my lifetime, been known as the lightning capital of America in somewhat a dubious distinction, as Mark called it in that article. Um, now it looks like that may be shifting the number or the amount of lightning in terms of uh, the leader in the clubhouse may be going to a state in the plains. Let's talk a little bit about that and break it down. First of all, we've worked with uh, vicela over the years and I know we have a great contract with you to provide our lightning data. So talk a little bit about that and how that's come about. It seems like it's amazing now because of my work with outdoor sports and stuff, how amazing it is to have all of that information at a moment's notice on your phone and your mobile device, where just a few years ago, that kind of information was really hard to come by.
2: Yeah, lightning detection is just an amazing topic. And there's so much that we can talk about and so many different, you know, roads we can go down with respect to lightning. And as you said, it's all available at your fingertips now, lightning data in in near real time. Visala owns and operates the National Lightning Detection Network across the United States, and then a global lightning network across the rest of the planet. With the NLDN, you can get lightning data within 12 seconds of it occurring. So anytime lightning occurs somewhere around the United States, that dot will show up on the on your map within 12 seconds. It's 35 seconds for the rest of the world. But I mean, when you think about it, back before the 1980s, there really wasn't much lightning detection out there other than seeing the lightning and then counting one, two, three, four, five until you heard the thunder.
1: Yeah, I go back to the situation, Chris, where I would used to, if I wasn't sure if there was lightning or not in the daytime, especially, I'd flip on the AM radio. That's, and that's only like 20, 30 years ago. So yeah, <laughs> the, the the ramp up of this technology, amazing. And it gives us a lot of tools. Do you think that ability to closely and more real-time monitoring situation Uh, and having these more denser networks to track lightning. Is that part of the reason now that in terms of density, and and this is, how are we going to explain this, Chris? This, this, sometimes we take pride in everything under the sun, and taking something that's complicated and, and kind of boiling it down. So I think, what do you do? You you took you take a an average uh, square mile radius or something, and say how much lightning is within a certain amount of time in that area, and then compare that to other parts of the country. Is that kind of a, a kind of a, a rough way to kind of talk about lightning density? Yeah. So
2: yeah, lightning density is how much lightning is occurring over a unit of area. So we look at things per square kilometer. Um, if you want to think about what a square kilometer is, it's about 187 football fields. We, we counted how many lightning events our network detected over each of those square kilometer areas across the United States. If you had 187 football fields out in one area, just think of how much lightning occurs over that over the course of a year, and that's your yearly lightning density.
1: So when you looked at those numbers, it's become apparent that in recent years, that density or the higher number is now located in the state of Oklahoma versus where we had thought it was or has been the last several years over the state of Florida, correct?
2: When we look at the, the numbers over the last five years, they are neck and neck, Oklahoma and Florida. I mean, it's really close. I mean, it's less than one lightning event per square kilometer. Um, and that's a statewide total. So for the entire state of Oklahoma compared to the entire state of Florida, if you get down to smaller scale details, so down to the county level, Florida still has the the top two counties in the country for lightning density. So Orange County and Seminole County right there in central Florida have the most lightning in their counties. Across right. the United
1: States. So, so in, in a small scale, those are still the heart and hot spots of lightning. And one reason for that, folks, is because they're at the intersection of wind direction, thunderstorm situations. So, they sometimes get it coming and going. They get one in the morning from the east, and they may get a one in the west. And, you know, sometimes they're right in the middle. And those, uh, I got. A day's travel knocked out just uh, at the end of April. Um, you may remember that there was a day where Florida was covered in thunderstorms and so much lightning, and uh, I missed a day of travel down to, to Florida. I had to go a day later, so that seems to make sense. So the other thing from this data and uh, a story that our Bill Waddell did on on this, I think, with you as well, is a lot more cloud to ground lightning in Florida versus Oklahoma, where it's more cloud to cloud stuff. Correct.
2: Correct. Yeah, and that's where the the lightning capital nomenclature initially came from. Was looking at cloud to ground lightning back when lightning detection was first really becoming a thing. You were only really able to detect the cloud to ground lightning with any reasonable amount of certainty. Um, but now, with new technologies and continued development and improvement of the lightning network, we detect in cloud lightning in addition to the cloud to ground lightning. So in Florida, you still lead the way in cloud-to-ground lightning, and that's really important lightning to pay attention to because that's what's going to hit a person or hit a building. But in Oklahoma, uh, the numbers are skewed a little more towards the in-cloud lightning, which also important to keep an eye on because that has major implications in understanding how storms are developing and things like that.
1: We're talking and focusing on Oklahoma and Florida, but we should actually get the top five. Um, So, yeah, you said Oklahoma, the the lightning density numbers over the last four years, 83.4 there. Florida now, 82.8. Then the next one is Louisiana, and that would make sense, too, based on their And actually the next two, three would make sense because of the kind of proximity to the Gulf of Mexico and other things. So Louisiana is next. It's 71.9. Then it drops off into the upper 50s for Texas and Arkansas. Um, obviously, you know, there's some states that have very little lightning. What's the state? Um, in the lower forty-eight, in the contiguous night United States, has is the lowest lightning data or density.
2: Yeah, the lowest lightning density tends to be along the the Pacific Coast. You know, Washington, Oregon are are mm-hmm. always down towards the bottom. There, you've got that really cool water right off the coast from the Pacific that really helps to kind of suppress thunderstorm development.
1: So, as a person working with Viola and 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 lightning detection in this exciting times what other improvements can we see? I mean, to me, it's pretty, we're, we're, we're maxed out at least what I would expect that, you know, within two seconds I can look at my radar scope or whatever that gets Vaisla data and boom, it's that lightning strike. I just saw out my window is right there on my phone. I mean, how much better can it get Chris?
2: We're, we're always working to, to really improve the the science. And we've got some 800 pound brains that I work with that are, pushing the boundaries of physics i mean they're they're literally trying to get to the edge of the capabilities of atmospheric physics to be able to get the most precise location of the lightning and the the highest percentage of the lightning that's occurring so you know we're we're always trying to improve our location accuracy which you know, across the United States is down to about a hundred meters now. So about a football field. So you know if lightning says it struck somewhere here, our network's so really, really accurate. The
1: accuracy, it, general accuracy now is within a football field within a yeah. hundred yards. That's that's incredible to me, Chris.
2: A, extremely good technology. And you know, we've got some of the, the best and the brightest minds in atmospheric physics and in electrical engineering that are, as I said, they're pushing the boundaries of physics to get to that. Most precise location accuracy and to detect the most amount of lightning that's occurring uh, that's out there.
1: Um, you, uh, Chris, work with the National Lightning Safety Council, so uh, let's just take a little bit of time. I mean, that the, the 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 saying that we keep hearing is when thunder roars, go indoors. I mean, there's just you can try to be think that you're a meteorologist and look at the radar and look at the the information and think you can predict it. I, as a meteorologist, have gotten surprised too many times by a situation where I did not think lightning would occur, and it has. Um, I know that sounds simplistic, but it really has to be followed, especially when you've got folks that can't move as fast, right, or you know, or or don't understand the dangers as much. Uh, Those are those are things that you really got to keep an eye on.
2: Yes, absolutely, and we've got Lightning Safety Awareness Week coming up at the end of June, where we're going to put a lot more focus on you know what you do when there's lightning in the area what you do to to be safe from lightning and you know if you go back 80 years you know, there were a lot more people working outside and weather forecasting was really just at its infancy and there were a lot of lightning fatalities in the US every year over 3 to 400 and we've gotten that number down into the low 20s every year so continuing to to educate people on what to do when there's lightning in the area and really just reinforcing those same things year after year to make sure that you know, maybe the next time somebody hears it, it'll sink in. And then when they see lightning in the air, when they hear thunder, they know, okay, I need to get into a, a substantial building or I need to get into my car.
1: You know, a lot of attention's paid to the front side. Um, some of my bigger surprises as a meteorologist, and I've seen the bolt from the blue. I've been, I've been in that situation where it was blue overhead. And the next thing I know, uh, it was probably about quarter of a mile, but it was definitely visible to see a uh, lightning strike. And you're like, where the heck did that come from? You know, again, after the last main one, I would still give, what, 20, 30 minutes at least after the last visible or, or detectable, you know, something that was within, you know, eyes radius of you, right? To give it another 20, 30 minutes at least.
2: At m- most, on average, you, you get lightning that can extend out 8 to 10 miles away from the core of a thunderstorm can sometimes go, you know, further to 12, 15, 20 miles. Yeah, if you don't have high quality lightning data with you, where you can see that okay, there's no lightning anywhere nearby, 15, 20, 30 minutes is, is a good time to wait after the last lightning nearby just to make sure that that storm has moved out of the area. Right.
1: Yeah, right. If you don't have the tools like we do, the, the skeeky meteorologist that carry, and then even even, not even meteorologists there are a lot of geeky people now that carry all these t- tools the other thing is you get back building thunderstorms too that uh actually kind of push back and, and you know you think as you're savvy that lightning's passed you by but then all of a sudden that's Thunderstorm strengthens builds back towards you in the opposite direction and you're under the lightning field again I've seen that as well so yeah. um Chris, anything that we missed here that we would like to that you'd like to talk about is there is there anything going on? I know we're about a month away from uh, lightning safety week here in this country yeah, about a month yeah, away, we're, right?
2: yeah we're about a month away we're really getting into the the heart of lightning season you know between May and, and September is really peak lightning season in the us in the middle of june uh, that last full week of june we host the national lightning safety awareness week where uh, we will be you know sharing a lot of lightning safety information and i know a lot of other meteorologists around the country will be working to really share that that information as well you know be sure to stay tuned at the the end of june to to keep an eye out for that
1: Really good to talk with those folks from the National Lightning Safety Council. Remember having John Jensenius on last year, uh, Chris Vegasky, You can reach him if you would like to follow him on Twitter. His Twitter handle is COWeatherman. And that National Lightning Safety Council website is a treasure trove of information. It's Lightning Safety Council. LightningSafetyCouncil.org. You can uh, get a little information about the members of the council and all that great information that I talked about. In the interview is there. Friends, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to shift gears a little bit, a little bit of a follow-up onto what we talked about last week with this emergence of Brood X and the cicadas that are coming out. And one thing I thought of, I have to deal with mayflies and bird droppings and all kinds of stuff in Pennsylvania this time of year, wrecking the finish on my car. I can imagine that a big cicada might cause some problems, too. We'll talk to our friends about uh, that from Z-Bar. That's coming up. After this, this is everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. Whether you're at home getting ready for work, packing the kids' lunch, or commuting, listen to AccuWeather Daily, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and you'll get the top trending weather story of the day every day. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun as we roll on episode 10 of the spring series for 2021. Last week in episode 9, as we said, we really got uh, into the buggy details of the cicada emergence of Brood X that we're hearing about. And just as scientists have warned, we're starting to see millions of what we expect to be billions, even trillions of bugs to emerge. Places across uh, the Mid-Atlantic, the Northeast, and into the Great Lakes, Ohio Valley. You know, cicadas are highly acidic bugs. And so their toxicity in that realm, while really not a threat to humans, uh, may be more of a threat to your car's finish. And certainly adding on to that this time of year, we got uh, increased uh, birds, uh, droppings, and all kinds of bugs that are emerging in addition to the cicadas. Thought it was time to get in touch with our friend Rob Harper, Director of U.S. Retail Operations at ZBart International Corporation. ZBart's been protecting cars and Giving advice to people for over 60 years on how to do that, it's time to welcome Rob Harper back to Everything Under the Sun. Rob, welcome back. It's great to have you back on the program. We last talked in December in the winter, so we were getting ready with folks and uh, winterizing their cars. But now we've changed seasons and my goodness, uh, temperatures warming up nicely. I know you're located in the Detroit area with my good friends on WWJ News Radio 950 and then across the Northeast. Wow, a surge to summer as we're going into this upcoming weekend. And certainly summer brings up uh, some issues with cars and safety and um, certainly uh, maintenance and things. And I know the friends at z are certainly happy to help. You know, last week, Rob, we talked about this big um confluence of cicadas that are going to come out, continue to emerge here, billions and trillions of bugs. And so before we get to some other things, I wanted to talk about that. I mean, there are going to be times when I think folks are going to be driving through multiple bugs. And I know here in Pennsylvania, we get a lot of bugs that splatter the windshield, start to get in the paint and the grills and stuff. So do cicadas who buy, I think their makeup are highly acidic Um, Is that going to be something that people need to keep an eye on here as we go through the next couple of months with that and other bugs that are out this time of year about the, the, the paint and the finish kind of situation on their cars?
0: cicadas are as acidic as any other bugs they are just giant bugs so uh, the level of acidity I suppose is, is much higher for each individual cicada than say a, a mosquito because they're you know they can be two inches long and have a wingspan of three inches they're they're pretty big so when you hit them you know it and it's a big splat um, and that entire splat just like any other organic material is you know, acidic. So yeah, it certainly can be damaging to your paint, uh, make your windshield really tough to see through. Um, luckily the cicadas last for, you know, usually about four weeks in most of the areas that they're, that they're coming out in. So it's not like the whole summer is going to be botched up or anything, but if you park under trees, you definitely need to take care of, uh, Protecting your paint
1: for sure. Right, it's not just the bugs, but also uh, birds and other things that are, um, you know, contributing to uh, some some splotches and things on your on your car. I know you guys have something. I think it's called the, your ceramic Z gloss that can add a layer of protection. Tell me a little bit about that.
0: Sure, ceramic Z gloss is something that we've been working on for oh six or seven years. It's a ceramic layer of protection that goes over your paint it's you know invisible except for the fact that your paint is much shinier while it's on there and has great hydrophobic properties which means it sheds water very quickly and makes anything that's on it very easy to clean up it's also got a 9h hardness so it's it's harder than the clear coat that's already on your paint and because of the prep that we do, we take away most of the texture. You don't think about cars' paint having texture, but it does when you look at it very, very closely. Very closely, um, yep. and this smooths that out, so it makes things keeps things from sticking to the surface. Um, so bug splatter, bird droppings, mud, dirt, whatever comes off very quickly and easily when you apply ceramic z gloss.
1: Right. Because, I mean, let's face it, we're going to be going into this summer with a lot of people haven't been as outdoors as much over the last uh, 16, 18 months because of the pandemic and everything. So, um, you know, you're going to run into things that you hadn't been thinking about for a while. And so that's definitely one of them. And, um, you know, in some places, I mean, we've got a lot of people that have moved into different areas and they may not know what to expect, right? Yeah. Um, in their area, in terms of the differing, you know, if we're in the Northeast, we know what to expect in terms of birds and, and those kinds of things. If you're now moved to the desert or move somewhere and that uh, the climate's a little different than you're used to. So I would think too, that your Z-Bart retailer and other folks in the automotive world would be able to talk to them to get some insight about how to best prepare your car and your vehicle for summer.
0: Sure, absolutely. I mean, uh, if we're talking about um, things that are acidic that damage your paint, just about everywhere you could move, we'll have those things. I mean, they they look different; they might act a little bit differently. But you know, whether it's pine trees or cactus leaves or uh, palm fronds, um, anything organic that sits on your paint is gonna is gonna cause a problem, no question. And you know, up here in Michigan, um, especially in the Southeast corner, we have every year fish flies and they just invade the whole, you know, the all along Lake St. Clair and the top of Lake Erie. And, you know, for a week, it's like skating or driving <laughs> on an ice rink. It rank, is, yeah. Um, because there are so many of these bugs. And I'm kind of looking at this cicada thing um in the same vein, right? Um, yeah, they don't I, fly
1: I, around as much, but they do fly around. But they also spend some time on the ground until they get up to the tree. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. They may crawl around a bit and I think um, I think more people are going to realize problems with cicadas in their own neighborhoods, you know, in areas that they park where there are trees close by. I think that's going to be the situation. And, you know, sometimes those I think it's really important to think about checking your car just about every day, because for some of these, you know, big producers of acid and problems uh, from other, you know, it only takes a day to start the damage, which can create even bigger problems down the road right so make sure you're pretty vigilant on checking that almost every day
0: yeah for sure and if you know you're not going to apply some kind of very tough paint coating to protect your paint and you park your car for you know more than a couple days near trees these things are going to start dying and falling out and having their little corpses laying on your car's paint is not good for you so you might want to invest in a car cover if you're not going to you know take the time to go out and get a, a paint coating
1: so other than the uh, cicadas um and then i think i think that factor of you know not um having maybe been in the car or or doing stuff with the car or traveling or or going to places for a year or so for some people is there anything else that we can think that might be different this summer versus others i mean i know we're talking about You talked about palm fronds, Um, they're going to get buffeted about if we have as active as a tropical storm hurricane season, as we're talking about southeast along the Gulf Coast and down, you know, up along the eastern seaboard. But A lot of drought and dry weather in the middle of the country, too, and, uh, you know, that searing sun and the dryness can take its toll on a, a car and it's paint and finish those kinds of things.
0: Sure. The dryness puts a lot of dust in the air and if your car gets really dusty. And then you take it to a, a even a soft cloth car wash, it's going to add to scratches. So I always recommend hand-washing cars if you're in a dusty dry area, or at least rinsing them off very well before you go through a car wash. Cause that, you know, turns the soft cloths into little pieces of sandpaper.
1: I just came back from a camping weekend and here in the Northeast Pennsylvania, where we are, um, pollen tree pollen especially is just off the chart right now so you know my black car looked green halfway through the weekend and stuff <laughs> but there was no way i was putting that through something that had brushes or automatic like that because it doesn't it looks like a, a a smooth sheen of pollen but there's there's definitely differences in the granules of the pollen and then potential for abrasion, which again, problem with paint and finish.
0: And the other thing, and we've just kind of come through that in most places, at least around us and probably to the South of us, if you're up North, um, a little bit further. A lot of the trees are beginning to bud and those bud yeah. casings are falling off and those are full of acid as well. Right, um, yeah. Just anything sitting on your paint is not good for it. There's no
1: Rob, question. Why, why, why do we go outside, man? I mean, it just sounds <laughs> like, our, well, again, our cars are, are going to be outside. So, you know, z um uh, basically, uh, if you want to make sure that you're protected this summer, that's a, a great place to start. Talk a little about, about how we can find our local z Bar dealer in our area.
0: Oh, the best way to do it is go to zbard.com. We are all over the area certainly affected by cicadas from the Northeast all the way through the Midwest, really strongly
1: down, down a little bit in the Tennessee Valley too, right? Kentucky, yep. Georgia, Tennessee, that area. Yeah. So yep. Ohio and Valley, Texas. Tennessee Valley, North yeah Texas as well. So yeah, ZBART.com and that's Z I E B A R T. That's right. I take notes, Rob. I do. <laughs> hey, it was great having you on. Uh, so let's see if we need to, check in a little bit more later on in the summer. If we do, we uh, shall, but uh, also maybe we'll check in for sure as we get closer to fall, as we start thinking about other things that can cause some damage. Appreciate the time today.
0: Absolutely. It was fun. Thanks very much, guys.
1: Again, you can check out the website, Z-I-E-B-A-R-T, zbart.com. Get information on your local retailer and other tips there that you can help, uh, Weatherproof your life and your cars finish. We're gonna to try to weatherproof your life for the upcoming weekend and the week beyond with the guy we call the Professor. Meteorologist Brett Rossio from AccuWeather and AccuWeather.com joins me next on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. This podcast is sponsored by NHTSA. Every year, children die from being left alone in cars. If you see a child left unattended, call nine one one immediately. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun, our weekly podcast from AccuWeather.com. I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore, your host. And uh, as you know, in our final segment, we always welcome in some of our great AccuWeather meteorologists. This one, we affectionately nickname the professor. He is Brett Rossio. And Brett's got a, an amazing handle, not only on the weather, but certainly the science and Able to take the geeky science stuff that uh, some of us love and and understand a little bit, but also able to bring that back to uh, folks and explain it. Great teacher. And, you know, Brett, welcome back in. It's been a few weeks since we've talked and we are soaring into summer. I mean, it's just incredible to me. First of all, you know, when you look at some of the turnarounds we've seen, you know, we had that really chilly air mass that dove into the Great Lakes and the um, upper plains there for the first half of uh, May, really substandard. And then we just kind of flipped the switch again where these areas are going up way above normal. And we've been uh, soaring this uh, last week or so in the northeast and the and the southeast. And it looks like, I mean, it almost looks as I look at the map that is... Uh, As we look at the weather for this weekend and the week beyond, as I look at this map, almost looks like a July pattern. We're kind of a Bermuda high setting up, ridging back into the east, southeast, creating a lot of warmth for the uh, northeast and the mid-Atlantic this weekend. Uh, And then yet we have a tropical system that we're watching out near Bermuda itself. So it's a crazy weather pattern here as we go into the weekend.
3: Yeah. I mean, this, this is a pretty impressive ridge axis. Uh, basically it's a subtropical ridge axis that's developed in the Eastern half of the nation. And a lot of that has contributed to the very low heights, you know, across the Western U S you have this dip in the trough. And so it's like a teeter totter when it gets much cooler out in the West, obviously you can expect a, a rise in temperature and in, in the Eastern U S. And so that's why we've been seeing, we've been seeing this very warm pattern.
1: But isn't it as equally impressive? I and mean, I don't remember, I'm, I'm going to try to have Dan Ketlowski on uh, next week as we get ready to turn the corner, not only from May to June, but also into the official start of hurricane season here in the Atlantic Basin. But, you know, we've already had a name storm in the eastern Pacific. Anna mm-hmm. is threatening to organize and get going here uh, just west of Bermuda. I remember Dan mentioning that, you know, we've had these real incursions of really cold air and then the, the sudden flip back. and you know, it's an, an analogous to some really busy tropical seasons when we see those kind of big temperature changes. And mm-hmm. then it seems like now the the warm air is really starting to lock in here. The other thing that I'm concerned about, Brett, as I look at it, you know, folks like Chicago, they went into now severe drought. Uh, Their designation changed here in the latest round of drought monitor that's coming out here as we go into this weekend. And there's a lot of areas that uh, the the thunderstorm potential that we thought we would see late spring, early summer hasn't realized. So it can be a lot of water in the gardening, you know, uh, extra watering that we'll have to do. For here, where we are in Pennsylvania, and back through the Ohio Valley here the next couple of weeks.
3: And also wildfire situations, too. That's going for to be the East, a right? Which we forward. don't expect
1: yeah. as much, right?
3: Yep. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you look at the Carolinas, Virginia, there, there's a, a serious concern that how dry it's been the, the, the last few months. And uh, obviously, this ridge is just going to exacerbate the situation. You have very warm, very dry air. So you're creating a tinderbox. So I am very concerned that there could be a very bad wildfire season across portions of the east as we go forward.
1: And as you look at this uh, out west, we do have that uh, that trough, as you said, in the cooler temperatures and the wetter weather. But even those areas, as we get into next week, it looks like they start to ridge a bit. And I know we've had massive concerns about the wildfire season in the west. And it looks like after a little respite here, snow in parts of the Rockies and uh, you know the northern areas there, uh, it's going to warm up even there. And, and if actually if I look at the maps next week, the whole country looks warm. Finally, I don't see that many dips in the jet stream next week as we go into it.
3: Yeah, we're definitely going to get a much broad, more broad ridge axis across the lower forty-eight. So that's going to uh, promote you know a more late spring-like pattern for basically much of uh, much of the country. So we'll get back to. I mean, temperatures will still be very warm in the east, but uh, it'll get back to more normal conditions across the west as well.
1: OK, so the highlights for this weekend, that bridge along the uh, uh, mid-Atlantic down into the southeast, very warm stuff. Uh, we may have to see some shower. We may see some showers and thunderstorms coming over the top of that. As we go progressively into the weekend, I think for the Northeast and, and New England, to me, the better chance is Sunday versus Saturday. In fact, there may be a little boundary that comes in and kind of erases some of that heat that's going to build back into some of those spots. Cool, unsettled. We got some still blue snow showers up in the parts of um, Montana and Idaho and Northeastern Nevada, we I think a lot of folks are ready to see those blues turn to all greens, and that'll be here soon. Some showers along the northern tier of the country, but and again, as we settle into early next week, it looks like the west warms and the east stays warm. You know, our opening uh, rays of focus segment, Brett was uh, talking about lightning and uh, a story that I saw a couple of weeks ago, um, where it looks like now with the lightning density measurements at an all-time high, and, and it looks like Oklahoma has kind of outpaced Florida now is what traditionally we can call the lightning capital of the world. I mean, I know, you know, Brett's about a generation of meteorology younger than me, and I just think about how amazing it is over the last five years, the, the incredible way we've been progressing this technology to be able to get real-time lightning data for somebody who's grown up into that and, and gotten into weather into that it's got to be pretty exciting for you too to see you know you I said to the guy from Vaisala, you know, you you get a weather strike that you see or hear right close to your house and within a minute you see it on your on your AccuWeather app or wherever. It's it's crazy stuff.
3: Yeah, it is really exciting the, the direction the technology has gone, um, especially with regards to you know, how it senses it. The, basically, there are sensors that read the electromagnetic pulse from lightning that gives that's given off. And that's how we can uh, figure out whether, a, you know, a lightning strike occurred or not, which is just fascinating.
1: Well, and, and I think the other fascinating part, Brett, is if, and we see this in life, once you get good at detecting something that's there, you can also start detecting the processes that are going to create it. So I think this may give us a better shot at trying to understand and forecasting a little earlier where the lightning is going to be. And and lightning continues to be one of the deadliest things that we have to consider because people just, I think sometimes people just take it too cavalierly in their everyday life.
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of times people will be out golfing, you know, and, and they're, you know, miles away, there'll be a storm, but they don't realize you can still get struck by lightning even several miles away from a storm. Yeah.
1: I think we're good in in counting a storm in. I think sometimes we're, maybe a little too quick to get out. Uh, You know, I've seen that bolt from the blue. Well, you're on the regular golf course more. I'm on the disc golf course more, but I had one of those (laughs) just last summer. Uh, I thought it was long gone. And next thing I know I'm out. And the next thing I know I'm hearing and looking at something like, where did that come from? So definitely be careful. Any thoughts going into this weekend and week beyond that you're uh, excited about weather wise, Brent, anything that in your kind of uh, notebook that you've been looking at here over the next couple of weeks? I'm more of a fan
3: of, uh, the chillier weather. Uh, this I is a little you. too warm. This is a little too <laughs> warm for me, but, uh, you know, when, when it comes to outdoor stuff, obviously this will be nice for hiking, hiking purposes. And I, and, uh, both my fiance and I are very avid hikers. So yeah, it will and be a nice, a nice pattern for and it. And
1: I think as you're out hiking soon, we're, we're getting close to closer. I think we're going to start to see the, uh, the cyclical cicadas here up a little farther north than what we've been seeing them. So Pennsylvania, New York State, I think in the next week or so, it's going to get noisy and a little buggy. Yes. Brett, it's yep. always great to talk to you. Thanks for visiting with us here on Everything Under the Sun. Thanks, Dean. And that'll do it for episode 10 of our spring series. As we get later on in spring, last couple of episodes coming up next week, we're going to talk about something I've already done a couple of times this year and look forward to doing more so camping. As we get ready for the spring and summer, more people mobile and outdoors. Toby O'Rourke, CEO and president of KOA, one of the leaders in campgrounds and camping around the country, will join us. We'll also talk with Dan Kulowski, our lead hurricane expert, about a AccuWeather Network hurricane special that's coming up on June 1st as we enter into official hurricane season in the Atlantic Basin. That's all coming up next week. For our executive producers, Andrew Robb and Ken Prell, and all of the amazing team members, hundreds across the world who work so hard to weatherproof your life every day, I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore. That'll do it for Episode 10. Thanks for joining us on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at AccuWeather.podcast at AccuWeather.com.